It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. When it comes to utilizing technology in our daily lives, can we prioritize better than we are currently? I believe we can. We'll look at that in our Thought of the Day. And in our interview segment, Dan Schabell on how great leaders bring connection to the workplace in an age where technology has created what he calls an age of isolation. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. Between emails, apps, social media, and all sorts of gadgets, gadgets, and other assorted bells and whistles, technology has become so prevalent in our lives that in a number of ways it's moved from being a help to a hindrance. In other words, what was supposed to have been our servant has all too often become our master, placing us at its beck and call rather than the other way around. Don't get me wrong, technology has made life better in so many ways, many of which we now simply take for granted and would have to think about in order to bring to front of mind. And we don't want to lose our gratitude for it, or as the saying goes, throw the baby out with the bathwater. But we do need to stay consciously aware regarding when technology gets in the way, say of healthy, effective interpersonal communication, and actually hurts our relationships. I mean, not only do we not need to text the person sitting next to us on the couch, we might even want to put the darn cell phone away for a while. And of course, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I bring this up because the gentleman we'll be hearing from in a moment has written a new book that addresses this problem in the context of business and shows how technology in today's workplace environment, rather than bringing people together, can truly cause isolation. This results not only in a lack of happiness and job satisfaction for the employees, but also a significant loss of revenue for the company. But whether in personal or business life, it seems that the way we look at and relate to technology is best when we paraphrase the old advice to love people and use money instead of loving money and using people. How about we love people and use technology rather than loving technology and using people? Now, pardon me while I plug in my cell phone. Wouldn't want to miss an email, a post, a text, or a tweet. Then again, maybe I would. Next, Dan Schabell looks at getting back to human in the workplace. That's coming up right after this. Pick up John David Manns and my newest book, The Go-Giver Influencer. Set in the same fictional city as the first two Go-Giver books, it features two young, ambitious business people, Jillian Waters, chief buyer for a national chain of pet accessory stores, and Jackson Hill, founder of a small but growing manufacturer of all-natural pet foods. Each has something the other wants. To Jackson, it's the possibility of reaching more animals if he can negotiate terms that will protect his company's integrity. To Jillian, it's about giving her company a distinct competitive advantage in the marketplace, if she can persuade Jackson to give them an exclusive. Of course, there's a surprise ending. Marshall Goldsmith says, this may be the most important go-giver book yet, and adds that in today's polarized world, it could not be more timely. 
Read the first two chapters of The Go-Giver Influencer by visiting thegogiver.com or just click the link in the show notes. Dan Schabel is research director and partner at Future Workplace and founder of both Millennial Branding and WorkplaceTrends.com. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and host of the Five Questions with Dan Schabel podcast. Through his companies, he's conducted numerous studies and worked with major brands including American Express, GE, Microsoft, IBM, Coca-Cola, and Oracle. His latest book is titled Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. His website is danshabel.com, that's spelled D-A-N-S-C-H-A-W-B-E-L.com, and you can find the book at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, and your local bricks and mortars bookseller. As always, all pertinent URLs will be in the show notes. Hi, Dan. Bob, always good to speak with you. Uh, Likewise. So let's discuss the premise of everything you address in this book. You say that technology rather than connecting people in the workplace to one another, has actually done the exact opposite, and the results have been, well, horrible, right? Tell us about it. Technology has connected us like never before, but at the same time, it has created weaker relationships, which has led to less engagement, lower levels of productivity, and less team and organizational commitment. If you don't have strong relationships in the workplace, you are not tied to that company. You are not tied to that team. If you have really strong relationships with your teammates and your manager or your colleagues, then you're more likely to want to work at the company longer, especially, you know, people my age view their managers, their work parent and their team as their work family. And it's very hard to leave a family that you're so close with. Mm -hmm. And so if you have friends, especially best friends at work, you're going to just naturally work harder. Mm -hmm. If you have weaker connections, if all you're doing is texting and emailing, then the emotions you get when you're by with someone or even over the phone are just not present. And what's really fascinating, even in New York, there's 1.6 million people here, and you could be in the subway around so many people, but also have no one around you at the same time because everyone's looking down at their iPad or iPhone or Android. And so we've used devices so much but face-to-face is becoming even more powerful. And that's, as you know, Bob, as someone who is the master networker, that's how real relationships are formed. And back when I was younger, I used technology in order to craft and build an enormous network. But it wasn't until I met people face-to-face or had phone calls or video conferences where I actually built the stronger relationships. And I've used to, as an introvert, I use technology as the first handshake to creating that connection, but the connection only became a strong relationship after I met the person uh, in real life, right? The people are people. We got to, we got to treat people like people and really connect with them in a meaningful way because we need as people with Maslow's hierarchy of needs after safety and security and food, you need friends and love. In order to eventually be self-actualized, you're not going to be able to perform at your best if your your uh, core needs are not taken care of. So this has created then that age of isolation, right? Yeah. What's really fascinating is about a third of the global workforce works remote always or very often, mm-hmm. yet two-thirds are disengaged and many complain that they're lonely and isolated because if you're working from home, yes, you do get the freedom and flexibility to work whenever, wherever, 
and you save on commuting costs. But there's a dark side to working from home. You're, you become very isolated and lonely. And as you try and work with your teammates, it's not the same feeling. It's hard to build a strong corporate culture if no one's in a physical office. And so you've seen a whole retaliation by a lot of companies. They've noticed that they've lost a lot of their employees because of this lack of connection, mm. such as IBM, Reddit, Best Buy, and Honeywell. Um, and so they're encouraging or even forcing employees to, to come to work. I don't think we should enforce, we should force people to go to an office every single day, but I also don't think that, you know, it's healthy to have people work remote full time without any interaction at all, at least have a company offsite, have some sort of office birthday party where people come in once in a while. And that's actually what employees are looking for the most when, uh, when they decide that they want human connection is they want those that time to socialize with each other. And if it's not there, if the leader doesn't support it and encourage it, then there's a disconnect. So I love the term you have call, that you called the experience renaissance. Would you unwrap that for us? Yeah, so this is really interesting. So we did a study with Polycom uh, about a year or two ago of over 25,000 employees in over 10 countries. And we found that what technology is doing is it's pushed out or um, made apparent that people want the human connection. So the more people use technology, the more they actually need a break from it. They, they are checking their tone more. They, technology has made them want to pick up the phone more um, because, again, we desire innately human connection. And so the experience renaissance is that look at how many yoga retreats there are now. There's adult summer camps. I mean, there are things that we would never have talked about 20 years ago, but mm -hmm. people need it. They need a break from this technology. Not having your phone is the new vacation. In every presentation I've given, at least over the past eight years, I've always asked the same question. How many of you answer business email on vacation? And it's almost unanimous. And, and the people who aren't raising their hand are on their cell phone. So <laughs> everyone's hooked all the time, and people are working harder than ever before, at least in America. Right in Germany, there's a 28-hour work week. In America, there's at least a 47-hour work week on average, and so we're we're working so hard. And then even when we come home from work, we're still tied to work through business email. And because of that, if you don't have a good relationship with the people you work with, if you're not happy, if you're not doing uh, work that's meaningful and it has impact, you're probably going to leave for the next best opportunity mm -hmm. for the, for even like two that two thousand dollars more. Um, and what's really interesting, what we found in the study uh, for uh, with Virgin Pulse of over 2,000 managers and employees in 10 countries is that half of the global workforce has five or fewer friends at work and uh, almost 10% has zero friends at work. So we lack these relationships and part of it has to do with the, the fact that more and more people are working remote and that people are using technology so much that it's actually uh, become a barrier instead of a bridge to human connection. Okay, so uh, let's well, so Dan, so let's look at then what you're talking about and and what you eloquently put forth in the book. It's about using technology instead of being used by technology. It's using technology to maximize relationships. How do you begin to do that? It's every single day. It's being aware of how you're using it. For instance, technology can be great in certain circumstances, like if you want to set up a meeting and have everyone come to the same place at the same time, this is right, the, the same exact conference room, 
then you can use technology to set that up. But if you're in that meeting and you're still using technology, you've used it the wrong way. You know, if you are in a meeting where you're supposed to be exchanging ideas and you're not even present because you're so busy answering emails that have nothing to do with that meeting, Mm -hmm. you've made a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. In fact, what's really interesting, the biggest culprit, uh, biggest thing that gets in the way of face-to-face conversations is email. One face-to-face conversation is more successful than 34 emails exchanged back and forth because you could go back and forth all day long. All you have to do is step over to someone's office or cubicle and say, this is what I actually mean. Mm-hmm. So there's a lack of understanding if you're just using the technology to do the work for you. Uh-huh. And no matter how many emoticons you send back and forth, it's really not going to help you. And there's actually been research that shows if you use emoticons and emails, you're seen as incompetent. <laughs> well, I so, won't. Oh, go ahead. So even at networking events, and you've, you've been to an enormous amount of networking events like I have, you know, if you go to a networking event and you get you know, some of your colleagues to go to the networking event for you and using technology to sync up and texting each other, hey, have you arrived? Once you're at that networking event, if you're like in the corner looking mm-hmm. at your cell phone, texting people who aren't even there, you've used technology improperly. There's a, a whole sketch video I did with some of my friends in New York, and it's an office birthday party from 1980 versus today. And of course, the difference is in 1980, you are totally in the moment. There is no tech, there's no advanced technology to distract you. Right. It's, you today, know, it's, today, you are living more for people's likes and comments over the actual experience of celebrating a birthday with the people around you. And that's broken. Mm, 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 interesting. Uh, let's speak briefly about what you call the four employee engagement factors and th- that can be used to, to foster healthier and more productive work cultures. Uh, it begins with happiness. Yes. You need to create an environment where people are doing what they're good at. And your responsibility as a leader is to explain how that work is making an impact. And having happy employees means that they're treated fairly, so compensating fairly. But I mean, after, you know, the biggest thing that people want over all of this, to be honest, is compensation. If people aren't paid fairly, they're not working for you very long. So making sure that they feel like they're being treated fairly is mm-hmm. is really important to them wanting to commit to work uh, on uh, with you on, on your team. And of course, happy employees are more productive. They'll stay with you longer. You know, they're, they're just, they'll have a positive effect of, uh, to everyone else on the team, mm-hmm. right? If they're positive, that's contagious. And everyone on the team benefits from that positivity. But money is one of the factors. There's the second one that you talk about, and that is belonging. Belonging is important. You have to feel like people appreciate you and that you belong to something. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you're not tied as much to the team and the organization. You won't feel included. It won't feel safe to share ideas. And ideas are what drives innovation and business growth. So if you're unable to have the courage to share because your leader hasn't created a space where you belong, then it's just not going to work out and it's going to be bad for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one is purpose. That sense of purpose is so, so important, isn't it? If you don't know why you do what you do, then it's really hard to put a lot of effort into that work. You know, purpose drives action, as you know. Uh, if if you know what you're doing and how it will make an impact on your team, your leader, 
maybe the CEO, partners, customers, and even the world at large, that's going to really drive you because you're going to really put everything in perspective and understand that, wow, the work I'm doing matters. Therefore, I matter because a lot of people, uh, a lot of people's identity is wrapped up around work. And so it, it can really hurt their health if they don't have that strong professional identity, which is connected to a sense of purpose. Purpose, right. And then the uh, fourth and last one is sort of an old friend of ours, and that's trust. Yeah, trust. And, you know, trust is at an all-time low. More people trust an expert at a company than the CEO. I mean, that probably doesn't even surprise you. And, of course, no one trusts banking and Wall Street, too. And and so we have – or politicians. So because – actually, what's, what's I, I like to talk about is because there's so, such a low – level of trust in the workplace, mm-hmm. if you're the leader that instills trust, you're going to win people over very quick. Right. And how do you instill trust? It's really about being candid, being really honest with people and transparent, saying, hey, this is what's really happening in the organization. Here's what I might might not be good at. You know, it's being vulnerable, you know, and that, that, that builds trust. People are more likely to be open with you if you've been open with them first. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about uh, work-life balance, the word balance, and say that that's really a myth. So what is it? Work-life? Yeah. So I call it work-life integration. I wrote Mm -hmm. an article about it many years ago. And then, you know, actually the former CEO of Campbell's also calls it that, who I I had interviewed for the book too. And then Jeff Bezos calls it work-life harmony. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really what's important is trying to achieve balance is almost unachievable. It's not like, oh, I'm going to spend 12 hours of the day doing personal things and 12 hours doing professional things, right? Because things come up and you have to react to them, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, you know, even you've been in business for so long, you'll, you know, have a vision to do one thing and then and then something might steer you in a different direction or you're working on one project and and then your client wants something different. You want to do one speech, but then you have to tailor it to the client. So like all these different things come up. And so because of that, it's really hard to achieve any sort of balance. And we shouldn't try and achieve balance. Right. Instead, with integration, it's about, okay, what are the three to five things I want to do from a professional and a personal standpoint every day, every week, every month, every year, and then try and build a calendar, build an agenda for yourself to account for all of those things. So for instance, if you like to play basketball, make sure on your calendar, you give yourself an hour of playing basketball every day or once a week. Um, you know, if you are really passionate about podcasting and you want to put out an episode a week, make sure you're doing that once a week. Maybe make sure you do at least one or two interviews per week. So it's it's building your own agenda, not letting a company or anyone else do it for you, and having that agenda account for your whole self as a professional and and as a as a person. I want to go back to something you alluded to earlier and and I really love this because as we talk about technology and how it can isolate uh how, when when not utilized correctly. You had a great chapter in the pro, uh the section on productivity regarding the power of face-to-face communication over email and it it had to do with a gentleman named Danny Gaynor. He shared the story with you. What was it that Mr. Gaynor discovered? He used to be a speechwriter under the, in the Obama administration. And when he was a speechwriter, he had to come up with a speech around Ebola many years ago and the, uh, the big outbreak. Mm-hmm. And so 
he was going back and forth through email with his manager and there was there was a lot of mistakes and at the last minute they had many mistakes and there was a lot of stress and anxiety and he and his manager both admit that if they had even one face-to-face conversation they would have been much there would have been fewer mistakes less stress and they would have been able to deliver the end result quicker mm, 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 mm. Uh, that is such a case of technology getting in the way when it seems as though that's making it more efficient exactly but it, but it really isn't um I love this. This is a this is a, um, a great book. And one of the the things I loved. This was early in the book. You said this, and again, because I know you, and I've known you since you were a kid. God, really, um, and you, <laughs> so crazy. And you're a person who's really mastered technology. Yet you write, and I'm quoting: "As technology becomes more and more pervasive in our personal and work lives, interpersonal skills will become more." important and okay. and then you you quoted uh dan clam of nielsen who said doing business is all about relationships and relationship building skills will never be automated i mean it's good for you too bob <laughs> you're all about business relationships so thank god this is only going to become more important as more and more tasks get automated from our society it's really going to be the soft skills the the you know, soft skills like being able to delegate tasks, problem solve, the relationships you have with your team and your customers, um, communication skills. These are all going to just become more and more important um, because, you know, the, you know, it's really interesting. Um, technology created the market for virtual assistants, yet advanced technologies such as chatbots are going to eliminate that whole industry in the future potentially. Technology created the gig economy with Lyft and Uber drivers, yet advanced technology mm-hmm. like driverless cars mm-hmm. are going to eliminate all those jobs potentially in the future. So technology is eating itself. It's creating these big markets and all these jobs, but also eliminating it in the same time. And so because of the uncertainty, because that, because of the uncertainty, people have to work hard to stay relevant and focus on the soft skills. And because technology is removing more of the administrative jobs that people don't, many people don't even want, really, from our economy, we need to focus on relationships and communication, being able to prioritize work, delegate work, problem solve, adapt to change, maybe even you know foreign languages. So all of these things are becoming increasingly important, and. What I'm seeing right now, even in the manufacturing world, is while there has been job loss, there are new jobs being created to manage those machines and to collaborate uh, across the organization so that you know the machines are all in sync and that the, the tasks and the projects that technology is doing, humans don't have to do, but they'll have to do other work that will provide even more value to the organization. So it you know, the average in the book, you see the average relevancy of a skill is only five years. So it really, we have to depend on each other to stay relevant and to support each other with our learning and development. We cannot learn in isolation anymore. 
Dan Chabel is research director and partner at Future Workplace and founder of both Millennial Branding and WorkplaceTrends.com. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and host of the Five Questions with Dan Chabel podcast. His latest book, a terrific work, make sure and pick it up. It's called Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. His website is danshabel.com. And you can find the book online and in traditional bookstores. Also, be sure and check out his very popular podcast. URLs are in the show notes. Dan, congrats again and best of continued success. Thank you so much, Bob. Main takeaway I received from Dan is that technology is fantastic when utilized correctly. It's totally counterproductive when not. And that with knowledge and discipline, we can actually utilize it to help those we lead feel genuine connection in the workplace rather than isolation. What ahas did you receive from Dan? Please feel free to write to me at bobatberg.com and let me know. Hey, all of John David Mann's and my books in the Go-Giver series can be found at thegogiver.com, where you can download chapters one and two if you'd like, or just click on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review, and your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.